Let's see, where do we want to go? I think I'm going to start um, this week. As many, it's been a roller coaster. I think it's been a roller coaster of emotions and um, sorting through truth, sorting through uh, our emotions, thoughts, all those different things. And um, I was visiting someone Friday, and um, you know, I've been praying off and on. And, and I'm, we're going to we're going to do a, spend some more time in prayer before the service is over. And, I do want to, to and we've been talking about fear, and, and we're against that, and, and the Lord is against that, and that is so true. And um, when we do pray, we're not praying out of fear. And we're praying out of the fact that we know God is in control, that uh, we worship him as, and the four-square movement of, of one of the things that we see him as, as healer. So we worship our healer. We worship him. We know, Lord, that he has already paid the price for disease and sickness and death, and he has conquered it and taken care of it and said it is finished. So we believe that and we stand in that and we operate from those truths. Amen. So in light of that, I was um, leaving a visit today last Friday or this, this Friday. And I just felt I was just praying over our country, praying over the church, praying over our county, praying over the state, over the nations. And this verse just dropped in my spirit. Um, I, I'm going to go with it. it was the Holy Spirit. And it was Second Chronicles 7:14, And I began to just meditate on that and, and quote that. And it says that if my people, this is, this is God declaring, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now I begin to just to proclaim that prophesy that over our country, over our church, over our county, over the state, over the world, and just was really encouraging myself and the Lord. And it was just, it was just a really neat thing that was happening. Um, and when I got home, it was, it was so cool. As soon as I walked in the door, Jenny goes, hey, did you hear what the president did? And, you know, most of us, it's like, who knows, right? <laughs> a lot of times, it's a lot of good stuff. Sometimes it's like, who knows, um, which is kind of fun, right? <laughs> but I go, what did he do? She goes, he called a national day of prayer Sunday and said that our country is founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs. And we always, this country always turns to the Lord in times of crisis. And I, I don't know if, if that verse had just like been poured into your spirit and you were literally just proclaiming that, meditating in that, prophesying that and speaking that over your country, over your church. I don't know about you. I just got, Jenna, I got super excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like that, that is so, that is so big. That is so ridiculous what God's going to do. Amen. So, so I believe, and, and, and I believe that the churches, as we are standing in agreement today, praying over our country in agreement, yes. that I believe, and the picture I saw is that, and even um, when we were praying in the last service, I was beginning to pray and prophesy, and I'll share some of that, that God, and I told you, I said, God is going to use, because then I shared the verse with her, I said, this is what the Lord just had in my heart. Like, God is going to use this as a time, I believe, and I'm prophesying this, that today there will be a huge reversal. Yes. Remember last week I was about how God flips things? Yes. Right? Just quinky dink, right? Yes. He's going to flip some things. It's been, he's going to flip it. Amen. And watch who's going to get the glory. I don't think there's no mystery. The president's calling for a national day of prayer and, and proclaiming this country always turns to the Lord in time of crisis. 
Now watch what happens when the country turns to the Lord in a time of crisis and God shows up because his word is true. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. There's some repentance that has to happen and I will hear their land. So we need to repent for unbelief. We need to repent for lots of different things. Um, we need to get Jesus back at the center of everything, right? Which guess what? Even if you don't think he is, he is. He holds everything together, whether you know it or not. He is at the center of everything, and he always will be at the center of everything, whether you believe it or not. But the beautiful thing is, is that I totally believe that through this, God's going to flip it. Other lead, I totally believe this, and I prophesy this. Other leaders of other nations are going to call President Trump and saying, what happened in the United States? What happened? How did this thing start reversing? And he is going to say, for the first time maybe, it's not because I'm so great. <laughs> that humble yourself thing's going to happen. And he's going to say, the Lord, I heard the Lord, and I heard some people, probably some people surrounding him, some ministers and pastors encouraging him to say, hey, you know what we need to do? And he was wise enough to do that, to realize that this country has always done that. And if we want to have a supernatural and divine encounter with what's going on here, we have a supernatural divine God that has already paid the price for sickness, disease, and has always been the answer for it. And I believe that other nations, other leaders are going to see that, and they're going to call on President Trump to say, what is going on? And he's going to be able to say, well, you see, there's this God, and his name is Alpha and Omega. He is, was and is and is before. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Almighty God. And he has left us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. And he is a healer. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's none like him. Let me introduce you to him. That's what I declare. And we, we, that's why we're having service today. There's lots of different things. I'm not, I didn't just come up with this. This was something that we put a lot of thought and prayer to. But I wanted that opportunity, and it's so cool that the, the, the president declared, hey, National Day of Prayer, a beautiful time that we can come together in agreement, right? In agreement, where two or three are gathered, he is with us. It says, if we touch anything, it shall be done. And I want to remind you, just a few weeks ago, I shared how the Lord had woke me up, shown me, now some of you can remember this, the, the powerful thing that we have in prayer. Remember I thought how we take ground? The Lord showed me, and in a, in a, in a, as I was waking up, it was already like the story was unfolding and the pictures I was seeing in prayer as, as we have this authority inside of us that we take ground, we take possession. Like in the, in the reality, we take ground through prayer. Wow, look what's happening. Look what's happening. The, the ground that the enemy has taken, and I don't play with this. This is by no, this isn't just a disease. This is a demonic attack on our country, on the world. And I believe there's been so much prophecy given out. There's been so much excitement in the church. And we've seen so many results of revival beginning to happen in this country and around the world through 2020 that I think it really ticked the enemy off. And, and good, it should. So he's going to try to come and bring this disease and what? Fear. A crippling fear. Fear where people retreat. But what does God want us to do? We don't retreat. I don't see anywhere in Scripture part of the decisions that I made. I seen, you know what, when the, when the early church came against opposition, I don't ever see them retreating. I didn't see the children of Israel. God never told them to retreat. He told them, go and take the ground. Now, he did give instruction 
The, the men that went to, to, to look into the land of Israel, there was giants there. They weren't stupid about going in there. They did like take some cover. They took some precautions. They weren't just like, hey, we're here to take your land. God did give them wisdom, but he never said, I don't want you to go take that land. So I don't believe that anytime the enemy is bringing something, see the word says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And it's not me being cocky. It's the God that's in me is way more powerful than anything else coming against us. Because his word said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. See, we need to either start believing that and walking in it, or being like non-believers and retreating and running. Now, I'm also not saying that if we had a 2,000-body congregation and we were in a, a center episode where there's subways and all of us public transportation to get here, that we might not go, you know, it might be time to not have service here. But there isn't any confirmed cases. We're not in those situations. It's a unique time. And I believe that God has a calling on me and this church to be overcomers, to be conquerors. And I believe the world needs to see Christians stand up in faith and stand up and say, yeah, I know I serve a God, and he is the creator of the universe. He is above all things. He did pay the price for sickness, disease, and health, and they need to see that operating in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm, about, I'm a little excited. When, you're, when the Lord's giving you like this, this picture, and, and, start, and then you're like, whoa, this is cool. This is a lot bigger than, than what you're just showing me, and he's speaking the same thing to others, that's always encouraging. So we as the church, we have the answer, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. His name's Jesus. He's the answer. He's the center of my world. He's the center of my life. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. No matter what comes against that and tries to dethrone him, it's a lie. Whatever tries to come and take my eyes off of him is false. And I'm going to stand with him and agree with him every single time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Whew, praise the Lord. I didn't even get in the message here. So we flipped it last week, right? The golden rule. Quote, do anyone know the golden rule? As you would have done unto you. And he said, this fulfills all of the law and all of the prophets. I love that Jesus makes it simple. If he didn't make it simple, I wouldn't be able to follow him. Jesus took, I mean, all of the law and all of the prophets, and he goes, let me make it simple for you. And I said, thank you for that. Amen. The Pharisees and all the educated religious leaders, they had taken the Ten Commandments, the law, and they had made 600 and something different, different laws off of each letter of the law. And then they put them in orders of this one's more important than this one. And, and they, would, they would wrestle with, well, sometimes if I obey this law, I'm actually violating this one. So what do I do with that? And they were constantly wrestling with the law, constantly fighting over it. And and it, it brings us to a point where Jesus is basically coming in, and through this um, verse, summarizing all the law and prophets. Amen? Aren't you glad that he's done that for you? Yes. I'm so glad. He flipped it, for one thing. I'm very, very glad that he flipped it. And we saw that he, in, in the, um, the, the price of the, of the pearl, and we see the treasure, and that verse, how he flipped that, and he puts us as the treasure, as that high-valued pearl that he bankrupted everything for to go get. And I got excited. Um, I got to listen to the Bible. Um, I had kind of a, a, not a great experience that got me to listen to so much Bible, but I had a, a stomach virus hit me like late Sunday night, early Sunday morning. It was ugly and it was demonic, let me tell you. And I was not feeling good. 
But I just put on the word and began listening to it, and it was pouring over me. And then I got to hear in Exodus chapter 19 that those words that I was sharing, how I believe the Lord was showing us that, that treasure, how we were that treasure. We are that, that pearl of great cost and price. I got to hear in Exodus 19 that before Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law, the Lord said his people were his special treasure. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what I was seeing. So the Lord was, was way back then showing us that we are his special treasure. And I know he was speaking to the Jews at that time, but now it's to us, those who believe, his, his believers. We are in that spot, amen? I'm not saying replacement theology. We didn't replace the Jews. I'm not saying that. But you can basically put ourselves in that same spot if it's to that. Now, we are his chosen people because we are believers, amen? Amen. So, man, I'm like, and I didn't drink coffee. Kingdom Law Summarized. Really, this is point two. Last week was Jesus is the master of 180s or flipping it. Um, point two is Kingdom Law Summarized. Or you can very simply say practicing the kingdom. This is how we practice the kingdom. This, this passage of scripture through Matthew 7 it goes into practicing the kingdom. You know, he's not judging others. Like that's, that's how we actually, he's putting the practice of the kingdom into action. Amen. So, Putting it into action is, is, is like this. A person who would be righteous, and he was also, Jesus was teaching how to truly be righteous. The Pharisees were always teaching this self-righteous deal, right? And Jesus is saying, here's, here's what real righteousness looks like. So a person who would be righteous must do for others what that person would want, would want others to do if the situation was reversed. Isn't that a lot simpler way of righteousness? Amen. Instead of like, I have to come to church every week. I have to wear a dress that's to hear or my hair has to never be cut, or uh, what do guys got? wear a three-piece suit, you know, um, can't go to this, or I have to go to this, or all of these things that would make me righteous. And Jesus is like, here, let me make this simple for you. All of the law, all the prophets, all hang and hinge on this, that you would treat others the way you would like to be treated. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Like all of that stuff. He's like, let me simplify it for you. Here, you want to see righteous? And we can say, like, well, I'm holy, I'm righteous. I'm... Jesus would basically say, like, so how are you treating others? That's, that's all great about that dress. It's pretty. Whether you're wearing makeup or not, whether you're not going to a movie or, or you are going to a movie, whether you're playing cards or you're not playing cards, or whether you're drinking or you're not drinking, or whatever the list can go on and on and on and on and on, that we make ourselves righteous. Jesus say, hey, it's, it's all, let's all throw it in this one box of this. It's all summed up here. How are you treating others? You can say you're righteous all you want. You can say you're holy all you want. But the proof is in this. How are you treating those around you? And I'll tell you what, that's a challenging thing. And we can get so caught up trying to spin our wheels and energy and all this other stuff that doesn't matter. And we're not spending our focus and our energy on the stuff that really does. Amen? So it's, it's kind of important. It's kind of important when basically in the verse that we're going to read here in a bit, talks about the, two, the first and greatest commandment. And he says that the kingdom of God hinges, the word would be hinges on these two commandments. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, hinge one. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two hinges of the door to the kingdom. That means if you don't get those two things right, the door doesn't open. 
Or if you don't get those things right, the door's closed. Those, that's, that's my interpretation. If it's a hinge that holds a door, all the law, all the prophets, but here's the hinges, those are two important things. When he says like, so teacher, and, and we're, gonna, we're heading there right now, Matthew chapter 22, 36, this Pharisee who was a master, and they're always interpreting those laws that we were talking about, those 600 something laws of how does this work? And so he comes up, teacher, a rabbi, Rabboni, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? It's a great question, right? I mean, that's a fair enough. Like, it's all this, like, which is the most important? Now, mind you, these people don't have Matthew in front of them to go like, dummy, it's this. But they did have Deuteronomy. They did have the law and the prophets. So, so Jesus answers. He replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? Not half-hearted, but with all. All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, I love Jesus. He always gives us more than we ask. He asks, what's the greatest? Jesus says, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes, buy this one's for free. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, he goes on and he says that the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments or are hinged. That's in the Greek. The word is hinged on these two commandments. All the law, all the prophets, that huge door with the law and the prophets, that the Old Testament in its entirety is hinged on love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, just a heads up, church, going forward in the future, I'm going to be really diving into that because um, our foundational truths of the church going forward and our declarations of, of our vision statement are going to have, um, we're a church that loves God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're a church that loves our neighbors as ourselves. And the third thing is this, that we're a church that follows the Great Commission. This is not something different that Pastor Jay and Patty have taught and, and been a foundation. They've called it love, grow, serve. It's very similar. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Grow. You grow from that into loving others. And then you serve the Great Commission. Amen? So this is going to be our foundation. And we're just, just, I'm just giving you a heads up that we're going to do some pretty in-depth. But it does go to say, like, it's, it's all good for me to say, like, this is how it's hinged. But, but how do we do it? Because the whole point of what Jesus is teaching is so that we get it not just here, but that we put it into action. Amen. A door that sits still doesn't do any good. It has to move. There's action involved. So faith is dead without what? Action. There has to be action. You could say, I have faith, but you don't do anything. I'm sorry, you don't have faith. Well, I have faith that if I would step out of here into that water, I'd be healed. I have faith, but you don't ever take the step into it. I'm sorry, you don't have faith. Otherwise, you'd have dove. Right? That's how you know you have faith. There's action behind it. Amen? Amen. So here's where Jesus is taking us. What does it look like to love God with all of your heart? The ancient Hebrews believed that the heart was the core of one's being. When we say, love the, God, love the Lord with all your heart, we think of this beautiful pump that God has put inside of our body that without it, the blood doesn't circulate through our body and we die. The Hebrew, the heart was the entire center of the being. 
So loving God with all of your heart and, and how they understood it is like the song we just sang, Jesus at the center of it all. That's why I asked them to do that song. He is the center of everything. When, when we say we love God with all of our heart, he is the center of everything in our world, our life, our marriage, our relationships, our business decisions, transactions, everything. Everything revolves around him and him alone. He is the center. So if you're not married, this what is what it would look like. You might have ideas of who you want to marry or boxes that need to be checked. But if Jesus is at the center of your life, the first and the most important box that's going to be checked is that individual that you are dating or looking to date is going to be a believer. That Jesus is going to be the center of their life. Or it doesn't matter if there's any other boxes because they don't even get listed on the list. Because Christ is the center of your life. Because when Christ was the center of my life, when I got saved, because he used to not be, and then he was everything, I literally began to pray. And I prayed like this, God, I need a woman who loves you more than she loves me. I prayed that prayer. And you know what? He answered it. It's a beautiful thing. I knew, I need, because I knew who, I'm a hot mess. Like, I'm going to need a wife who loves you a lot. Right? I'm going to need a life who knows who God is, Amen. right? Knows that there's, there is resurrection power and there's hope, right? I'm going to need a wife like that. So that's how I prayed. Now, I'm sorry, but the Lord put us together. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I got the good side of it. Um, that's for sure. But no, seriously, like he's the center of your life and everything revolves around that. Like it's like, well, but he's super funny, or she's, oh my gosh, is she so hot? Like, oh my Lord, she is ooh, rocking this. Does she love the Lord? Well, you know, it's like, nah, nah. Dude, not even make the list. Not an option. Or you go to business decisions. Like, there's going to be times, like, you have an opportunity, like, oh my gosh, this, this could be so beneficial. And it's like, um, this is wrong. It's getting quiet. This is wrong. This is anti, this is not what Jesus would do. Jesus is like, um, I'm not the center of this decision. And you go, there's no way I'm even, I'm not even entertaining this idea. It's wrong because Jesus is at the center. He's at the center of everything, at every decision, every opportunity. That's what loving God with all of your heart looks like. It's loving your wife and loving your children and loving your family with all of your heart. Because he said, how can you say you love me, but you don't love people who I've created in my image? Let's move on to loving God with all your soul because we do have a, there's, people are going to get hungry. Just saying. (laughs) But you get the picture of loving with all your heart. Loving God with all your soul, what does that look like? Now we know what soul is our, our mind, our will, and our emotions, Right? Souls, mind, will, emotions. So we love God with all of that. But I really want to just look at the, the emotional side of this. And really, um, when you break this down, and, and this is what in the Greek it's really speaking of, the Hebrew word for soul in this text denotes emotion. To love God with all your soul means not being afraid of expressing your feelings for God. Loving God and not being afraid to express your feelings, your emotions. Now, most of the men are going to have a problem with this. Ladies, you do usually do pretty well with your emotions. You're in, you're, in, you're in contact with them. You're in touch with them. 
it freaks guys out. Like, we don't know what to do with emotions. We don't want to be in contact with them. We don't, we, we don't know what to do with yours because we don't know what to do with ours. Like, emotions and guys, it's just weird. So it's not that we don't care. It's, it's just we don't even know what we're feeling. We sure as heck don't know what to do with what you're feeling. <laughs> but we know we're to love you, right? I know that. I know I'm going to love my wife even if I don't understand the emotional range that she might be going through. And I have my own emotional range, right? Do, ladies, do husbands have their own emotional ranges? Amen. Yes. There we go. There's some honesty. Thank the Lord. But we're to love God with those emotions, Men and women both, we cannot be afraid to love God with our emotions. Because I was so afraid of that early on, and I got so mad at the Lord. I, I was like, went through this whole phase. I was kind of taught like early on, like men are, you're to be tough. Men are to be, you don't show emotion. Men don't cry. Men don't, you know, man, you be a man. So, and then I went through this whole other deal where it's just like, yeah, you don't cry. And you just learn to shut all that stuff off. And, and I got really good at shutting it off, like just being cold and numb. But man, when the Lord came in, like he jacks that all up. He like hits a reset switch and like puts things back where they're supposed to be. And when you haven't felt anything and then you feel all that, you're a hot mess. Like it's like overwhelming. So then I go into team challenge and they want you to testify. They want you to share your faith. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And oh my Lord, I begin to talk about Jesus and I can't even talk. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. It, ooh, and I get so mad. I'm serious. I'm like, oh, stop it. You're not going to. So then, like, I'm just being real. Like, the next time they went, I'm like, I ain't talking. Forget you. I am not talking. Because he's going to do that, and I ain't doing that. I'm just being real. So then we'd have conversations. And then the Lord would be like, so I thought you told me you're going to serve me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Dang it. So I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. How many of us want to make deals with God? How many of us work out very well? I mean, he was like, sure. Right? I'm just, he's like, sure. And I, I don't know if he gets to put his fingers behind his back or what, how that works. But he's like, I got you. And then sure enough, I go up. I'm like, I thought we had a deal. Like, because I would tell him, like, so check it out. I'm not talking unless you shut off the waterworks. Like, kill the waterworks, and then I'll share. He didn't care. He didn't listen. And then there's times I'm just, I'd just be reading the word, and I'd, I'd see what the Lord was doing for me or had done for me, and I'd just start weeping. And then I'd get mad. Oh, stop it. Now, I can tell you, I've grown there. I don't care. I so don't care. I so don't care. I like it, too, because it's how I am. And I'm not going to change it. There were so many years I tried to change who I was and push down... It is what God's done. Now, I'm not saying in order to be holy, you have to be a crybaby. I'm not saying that either. <laughs> but I am saying that you got to surrender your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions to the Lord. Amen. You surrender that to him and you give him those controls. Yeah. And it is a beautiful thing when you can surrender those emotions and allow him to minister to you and you can freely be emotional with the Lord. Amen. That is loving God with your soul. Amen. Never be afraid of expressing your feelings for God no matter where you're at. And I can tell you, the Lord has done a mighty work through me through that. We've seen uh, that movie, I Can Only Imagine. Or not, no, not I Can Imagine. I still believe. Oh my Lord, if you care about crying, do not go see that movie. That movie will wreck you 
it will pulverize you in a beautiful way. If you want to see what, what we're talking about looks like, loving someone else more than you love yourself, laying down your life for someone, go see that movie. And you will, you will un completely understand what this message is about today. That movie, whoo, powerful. I cried like a baby, and I wiped my eyes like the first three times, and then I thought, this is stupid. There's no point. So I just, <laughs> seriously. I mean, Adam was there. I mean, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm just saying, like, it, I don't, it, challenge, if, you got, if you're like the dude that's like, dude, I don't cry, go see that movie. Challenge accepted. Go do it. <laughs> if you come back and say, you didn't shed a tear, I will give you fist bumps, knuckle bumps, and say, you're the man, okay? <laughs> Buy you a pocket knife. There you go. <laughs> you can pick your teeth with it. <laughs> you're all men. All right, better move on to the next point. Loving God with all your strength, loving God with all your mind. In the, in the, in the Greek, it's, it's loving God with all your mind and, and strength. And it is suggest, strength suggests energy and might, but it also refers to your intellectual commitment and determination. I want to say that again. If you're taking note, write this down. Loving God with all your mind or strength refers to intellectual commitment and determination. We can love God with all of our mind it doesn't mean you have, you're not being intellectual or you have to just be, oh, I'm just of the Spirit. There's, you need to use your mind. God gave you a brain. We ought to use it. Yes. It's a beautiful thing when we use the brain that God gave us. Amen? Amen. So you make a determination. I'm going to use my mind and my intellect and make a commitment to do what? To love God with all your strength means filling your mind with the truths of God so that you can love Him with, listen to this, so that you can love Him with your ability to reason. God has given us the ability to use our mind and reason. It's what makes us different than everything else. God has given us an ability to reason. We need to use it and use it wisely, use it correctly. That's loving God with all your mind. So what does that look like? Well, it takes captive of every thought. Every thought that comes in, we take captive of it. We put it in protective custody and we bring the word against that and we go, is this truth? And if it isn't truth, we toss it. The things that we know that are truth, we establish and we, make, we build in our, our mind and we stand on it. We make a determination that this is truth. If it doesn't line up with this, then it's not truth. And you make a commitment and a determination to align yourself and agree with the truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like It's not a passive thing. It takes action to do that. So you're saying, I love God with all my mind, and you're going to learn what his word says. You're going to take the truth and measure it against everything else. Like in this time that we're in, this is what we need to do. Yes. What is the truth? What is, here's the reality that we're in, but here's the truth. And that's what we've been doing with, with I've been doing and many of you have been doing is, is you're taking every thought captive. You're saying, bye-bye fear. You can't stay here, right? right? Yeah. If, if you put yourself in front of the television or the radio all day long, your ability to reason is going to be greatly deplenished. Would you agree? If all you hear is the yakety, 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 yak of, oh my gosh, this virus is going to wipe out the world. No, don't anyone do anything. Don't anyone go anywhere. Don't, oh my gosh, la, 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 la. There's a ship coming and the world stops because there's a cruise ship cruising at like not even three miles an hour. It's like, dude, you could take a picture like, but no, they followed it for five hours to go like three miles. And it's just, don't, 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 don't. 
Don't, creeping death. Anyone ever heard Metallica? There's like a song, Creeping Death. I just, in my mind, I go, dun, 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 dun. like, here comes the, the, the anti-love boat, the death boat. Dun, 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 dun. It's like people are freaked out. Ah! Run from the... I'm serious. I'm sorry, I just did creeping death in church. <laughs> you never know, right? You buy your ticket, you never know what you might come up here. But seriously, it's like, and if I'm being honest, like you start, you're like, oh, 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 I don't know. If, oh, man, it, it could get bad. Maybe I should start stockpiling, you know, toilet paper, you know? <laughs> For some reason, I never even thought about that because I, just saying, um, I, I really don't get the whole toilet paper thing, but um, I will say, you know, it is really odd. Like if we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, like what that would look like in a very practical and, and real way right now is like if you went to, you went to the store and you stocked up on some hand sanitizer, or some toilet paper, whatever stuff you were out of, and you have a neighbor, right? You have someone and... and they happen, you're in community, and they're like, you know what, man, the last, I went to the store three times. I'm out of toilet paper, or, or I'm out of hand, I'm out of dish up, I'm out of eggs, whatever. And every time I go to the, you're like, shoot, I just went to the store. Here you go. That's a very practical, simple kingdom, kingdom thing. That's practicing the kingdom. That's like those two laws. Everything else hinges on. So like, if you are like, I just got to go to the store and I have some of that, and the Holy Spirit's like, why don't you give him some of that? And you're like, forget that. I'm worried about me. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And then you want to go pray. Oh, Lord. I just, Lord, keep me protected. Are you serious? That is not what his word's saying. You're in complete violation of the kingdom rules and principles. But you want the favor of God. It don't work like that. Okay. We're good, I think. We might be. No, well, one more thing. Kind of odd. In my, throughout my, my journeys this week, the movie place was open. I did see a movie this week. It was open. We're supposed to close churches. But the movies are open. There's two casinos in this county. They're still open. Walmart's still open where you got all kinds of different folks <laughs> touching, the, touching the carts. And they're not in six feet radiuses of each other in the aisles. And they're just saying. The bar's still open. You can still go buddy up and have a drink next to someone to go shoot some pool. And that's Okay. But some reason, there's this whole demonic in- disease that's coming and bringing fear and everything else, and it wants us to shut the church down. Hmm. And I don't know about you, but I was always taught that stress, a stressed body is open for sickness and disease. Wouldn't you think the media and our, would they, they want to bring the stress level down a bit and be like, okay, look, if we do some common sense things, Yes, this is a virus. Yes, this is serious. But we need to, like, be drinking lots of water. If you're drinking lots of water, if that is airborne, it, gets, it will gut down in your gut and your stomach will kill it. Like, 
We need to be drinking lots of water. We need to wash our hands. Like, right? You know, we need to be, you, I hope you're doing that. You know, but some, some common thing that, that really greatly reduce that so that we're not stressed out because the last thing you really want to be is stressed out because then you're open to take all that junk in. We need the peace of God, the helmet of salvation, right? But we do have some armor, church. It's pretty cool. We're not running around naked. We got armor. Put it on. Breastplate of righteousness. We'll put a belt of truth on that holds it all together. I got a shield of faith. So, nah, here's some faith. I also got a, a sword, and I like the offensive weapons. I'm just saying. I want to stick something. I want to slice and some dice. I don't just want to, like, have to bob and weave and shield. Well, I want to, like, whoosh, let's put a stop to this. Right? That's what the president is saying. Like, let's take some offensive action here because we serve a God. We serve a God who is greater than this virus. We serve a God that is more powerful than any other thing on the planet. And by the way, Psalm 91, which I don't think we're going to have time to get into. Most of you know this. But one little thing, it says, if I make the refuge, if I make God my refuge, there's a big if. Yep. Yep. If he is my refuge, yep. I take shelter in him, yep. it ain't going to come against me. Yep. That's not my word, that's his word. Yep. Now, I want to say one more thing. He also says that he has given angels charge over us, that if I was to even dash my feet, it won't happen. Yep. Something I was, when I was reading about this this week, it really triggered me. We don't talk enough about angels. Christians don't talk. We talk. We give demons. Oh, my gosh. We're demon this, demon that. There's demons. Oh, my God. Did you know there's demons? There's two-thirds more angels, and they're on our side. A third of them fell. We got two-thirds, and they're on the winning side, and they are sent out for us. I don't, that's awesome. And I, I mean, I, I had a couple of them. I know early on in my life, they had to be like, can I trade? I kept my angels busy there for a while. But I'll guarantee you, the only reason I'm here is because there is angels. And if they were keeping me going when I was a knucklehead, running from God, saying, leave me alone, how much more are they for me now? Quit talking about the demons. Demon this. They're defeated. I'm trying. <laughs> Isaiah 54, 17 tells us that no weapon formed against us shall or will prosper. No weapon. None will prosper against us. That's good news. That is extremely good news. Whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? The word of the Lord. We're going to make a determination in our mind, in our intellect. God's given us an ability to reason. I'm not saying to be dumb. You don't have to go licking the door handles at Walmart. <laughs> but if, the, if we put as much trust and hand sanitizer as we did Jesus, we'd be all right. That's not original. That's Facebook. Just saying. But something else I, I would, during this study, 
I do believe this. Um, the church is really, really, really good about trusting our soul with God. We trust God with our soul and our spirit. You know, we, we most of us believe that, that if, when we die, if we're right with God, we're good, right? I'm, my soul, like me, me and Sister Nia, we were encouraging ourselves today. I was just like, whew. You know, the worst thing's going to happen to me, I'm going to be with Jesus. Like, that's a great day. Like, that's my goal. The worst thing is going to happen, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's beautiful, right? That's our blessed hope. Like, I feel really good. And we used to encourage one another. And you'd be like, about death? Yes. Like, how's it going? Any better? I told her, any better? I wouldn't be here. I mean, that's the truth. So we trust, we trust God with our soul. How about we start trusting him with our body? How about we start trusting him with our bodies? We trust him with our soul, but let's trust him with our bodies. Because he wants all of us, right? He cares about this body. He, 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 his body got whipped and beaten and destroyed for you and me. So that ours doesn't have to. Amen? There was a man in the early, late 1800s and early 20s. His name was John G. Lake. And, and he was sent, he was a missionary, went to South Africa. He dealt with the Ebola, or not Ebola. Um, it was a horrible, bubonic plague, that's what it was. The bubonic plague, it was deadly. It was bad juju. People wouldn't touch a body. They were dying, and wherever they were died, they, they were left. They were left in their homes. They were left in the streets. They were dead bodies everywhere, and no one's going to touch them. It's so contagious. Well, John G. Lake's a missionary sent there, and he actually believed the word, and he actually put it into action, and he said, well, no one's going to take care of these bodies. I guess I'll go bury them and give them a funeral. And, and so he did, him and one other man. And the, the, the government and the, everyone said, don't do it. Don't touch them. You're going to die. And he said, the spirit of the life-giving God lives inside of me. The, the, spirit, the, the, law, the law of sin and death can't touch this because the spirit and the law of God and life is in me. And he said, my pores, basically, he's saying, my pores aren't open to receive that because my, out, of, out of my pores is Christ coming out of me. He said, so it can't come in. Now, I'm not telling you, like I said, don't go lick the handlebars. And, but this was the faith and the truth that he walked in and he believed. And he went and touched them and buried them and no one else could. There's something to that. So much so there was a reality that he's told when, when the um, government started bringing people all in their hazmat suits and, you know, of that day, they said, don't you want this? And he said, no, I, I, have, I have Jesus. And they said, how are you not dead? Well, I have Jesus. Jesus is alive in me and th that, that disease can't touch me. He said, go take the foam that's coming out of these bodies' lungs and examine it under a microscope. Then you take that foam, put it on my hand, and it will die. And they said, uh, we don't recommend, go take that foam, go get it, examine it, do your tests, and then put it on my hand, and it, it will die. And guess what happened? It died. So they said, he goes, go get some more. Dies. He said, see, there's a, there's a principle and a law that you know nothing about, but it's the law of, of life that is through Christ, and he is who I, my trust is in. And God used that man mightily. And there's huge, huge reported miracles and signs and wonders through that man's life. That is a reality that I want to learn to walk in. Amen. That doesn't happen through fear. Amen. God wants to use us. And I, like I'm saying, use wisdom. But when the Holy Spirit, and I believe we're here today because God wants to use us. 
he, he still believes that we're to use wisdom, but he also believes that there's a supernatural power, and his name is Jesus, and anything that we see Jesus do, we can do. Amen. Jesus wasn't afraid of the lepers. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he touched them, and he loved on them, and everyone around him said, don't do it! You're crazy! And he changed the situation. That love touched them and healed them. That is what he wants us to do. How do we treat people? When you're sick and you don't feel good, how do you want to be treated? In this day and age, if you're operating out of fear, you hear someone cough, and you're going to be... <laughs> I had a stomach flu this last week, and my, my family treated me like I had the plague. I'm just saying. Just saying. My daughter, she like, come down, unclean, unclean. She's like waving. She came downstairs and was whoop, ran back up. I'm like, love you too, baby. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't blame me. I, I wasn't upset. I'm just using it as an example. I didn't want her to be sick. I didn't want, my, I didn't want them to get the flu that I had. So, you know, I, I get it. I'm just saying, but when we have people outside and they're like that as Christians, that is, that, if, we don't, if we didn't see Jesus act like that, that's not for us to do. You're to love them. It's, it's, if the shoe was flipped on the other side, how would you want to be treated? Amen? How, would you want someone to come and reach out to you and pray for you? Would you want someone to say, you know what? I understand that you're struggling with this, but you know what? I love you. You know, there's a God who loves you. And I believe and I know that he's greater than that. Could I pray for you? Yeah. Amen? That's what love looks like. My last point, and it's not a very long one. Selfishness needs to leave for righteousness to reign. Jesus was teaching all this time about righteousness. What did it look like? And I'm going to tell you, church, selfishness has to leave for righteousness to reign. In this day and time, it is, you, you see everywhere, it's all turned, look selfward, self-preservation, self-preservation, self-preservation. Well, they're sick. I got to preserve this. It's all about me. I got to get all the hand sanitizer, which is so stupid. Like, don't you want other people washing your hands, their hands too? Don't you want other people, like, cleaning things so that, I mean, come on. But it's that self-preservation. Me, 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 me. That's not righteousness. Like, that is not kingdom. It is not kingdom. It is better to give. It's, it's caring about other people more than you care for yourself. That's what Jesus did. That's the example he led. The guideline for knowing how to treat others is to ask oneself, how would, it, how would they like to be treated if the roles were reversed? Or how would you like to be treated if the roles were reversed? This is something we got to start asking ourselves. I've been doing it, and, and I tell you, I don't like the results all the time. I'm not walking this out perfectly. And the Lord is, when you start really making this an emphasis in your life, he's so good about reminding you. He's really good. Like, and I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful thing because I want to be more like Christ. And he gives us the Holy Spirit that when we mess up, he's like, you know, I was, oh, you know, I sure could have done that a lot better. Yeah, you could. We'll do it next time. Yes. And then there's some beautiful times when you actually do it. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, what? Like, oh, I did it. Like, that's so awesome. Like, I love him. He's so good. So, we want to, like, there's different roles. What if you were a teacher, right? If you were a teacher, you would say, you know, if I was a student, because there was a time in my life I was a student, how would I want to be treated? So then you start looking at them in that seat, and you go, no, I want to treat them like I'd like to be treated, right? If you were a husband or a wife, you start looking at the other ones, and you go, 
You know, if I was married to me, maybe don't do that. No, you do that, right? You look at the others and you put them ahead of yourself and you go, you know, I want to treat them like I'd like to be treated. Husbands, God actually tells you to love your wives as you love yourself. What if you're an employer and, and we want to, well, they need to do this for me. No, he's saying you need to flip it. How would you like to be treated if you were working for someone else? Amen. So then that's how you treat them. Employee, you look and you go, you know what? If I was the owner, how would I want to be respected? How would I want to be treated? How? You flip it. You don't make it about yourself. See, Adam teaches us to make it all about us. But Jesus, our, our new father, Father God teaches us that it's not about you. Treat them with, with more, more respect than you treat yourself. Amen? Amen. Always are to flip it. Parents and children, even for, even for that role. I've been trying to look at that. How would I want my kids to be treated? How, if, if I, when I was a son, how did I want my father to talk to me? What are the things I wanted him to do for me? So then you flip it. You don't make it about yourself. You make it about the other. That's kingdom. That is what the whole thing hinges on. Those are the laws of the kingdom. If we get really good at that, every other law and every other principle there is, is so easy. It, it automatically gets dealt with and covered. When you start putting those two things, loving God with all your heart and loving others and loving them like you love yourself, everything else gets dealt with. It's a beautiful thing. That's why Jesus made, I, I mean, I love him for a lot of reasons, but he gets me. He knows I can't, I can't do like 600 and whatever those, I'm like, and the 2,000 other different like ceremonial laws. And, oh, I'm a hot mess. Like, I'm like, there's no hope. He's like, I got two things for you. I'm like, I might, no promises. I might remember them. I might be able to do that with your help. Like, he's speaking our language, too. It is in loving others as one loves himself. Self-love demands that one thinks of his own concerns and how to provide for them the best way possible. Isn't that what we do for self-love? You value those needs, and then you provide for them the best way possible. That's exactly what we need to do for others. That's what it looks like. Amen? You provide the same way you would for yourself. We treat others the same way. Let's look at 1 John 3, 14 through 24. We're going to close. And uh, before we do, we're going to pray for um, our country. And then I'm going to have Mickey and Lorraine come up. They're going to be, this is going to be our last Sunday with them. They're moving to Tennessee. And I'd like to say that, um, I'd like to say this isn't the Lord. Because I, I really like this couple. I like them to stick around. Um, but the Lord is moving them. And, and we just want to pray a blessing over you guys. And, and you've been such a, a blessing to this church since you've been here. And um, we were... Even the family this week, we were just really like, man, even our kids are like, man, I don't want them to go. I really like them. They're in such a neat couple. And so you're going to be missed. And uh, it kind of breaks our heart a little bit that you're going to be leaving. But we know it's going to be good. And we've been to Tennessee. We went to Tennessee last year for the first time. And um, it, was, it was a beautiful place. And hopefully you'll be back. Amen? If not, we'll see you. I know one place we're going to see each other again. It'll be, we won't be separated ever again. Amen? Amen. So let's look at 1 John chapter 3, 14 through 24. It says, if 
we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Well, that's bold. A person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. That's pretty bold. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, right? So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do we do it? If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. That's beautiful. How can we come to God with bold confidence, though, if we haven't been seeing our brothers and sisters in need and and just going out, they'll figure it out. I got plenty. Me, 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 me. I'm just going to hoard all this stuff. You can't come to God with confidence. You're not going to be able to come and and have that be pray in faith. You're not going to come in a boldness and come into the throne room of grace to receive anything because you're going to, when you stand before me, you get in his presence, there's going to be conviction on you. And you'll be like, I haven't been doing anything that I know I need to be doing. Especially on the two big ones. Amen? And this is the commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him, and He with them. And we know He lives in us. Why? Because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. Amen. Amen. Now, church, I want us to pray. Um, pray for a handful of different things. Um, I want to pray for the healthcare workers, those who are um, being the hands and feet, being doing what Jesus would be doing, taking care of those who are sick, taking care of those who are uh, struggling. Let's pray for families of those who are um, with ones who are sick, those who have lost loved ones. Let's pray for our leadership. Let's pray for those who are in authority, who are making decisions that God would give them wisdom. Amen. Let's pray for our, um, our church. Pray for our community. Let's pray for our state. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for the rest of the world. Amen? We're not praying out of fear. We're praying because Jesus resurrected from the grave. That same power that that came, brought him out of the grave, lives in us. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. That means authority that we can bind and we can loose. He has given us that ability to take ground. How I was sharing, the Lord showed me that picture of us taking ground, possessing things through prayer. That's what we're going to do. And realize that all around the United States, churches and believers are doing the same thing right now as we speak. We're in unity. There's a unity in that. So let that, just, just let's spend a few moments to just pray over our country and over those needs that I just uh, expressed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord.